You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. This podcast series is based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. We like to start off by making our confession of faith. Come on, let's say this. I win in Christ. Come on, say it. I win in Christ. Come on, say this. I win all the time. I win all the time. It's going to be a blessing today. Now, listen, we're talking about the acceptable year of the Lord. This is our fourth episode. On April the 8th, 2020, just a few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and instructed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Two Sundays from that date, on the 19th, April the 19th, I shared on a Sunday morning online this prophetic word that God gave me. And the prophetic word was, all debts are canceled. I decided and felt impressed of the Spirit to take that 50-minute lesson, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It is on our app. You can download our app, and I believe it will be a blessing for you. I decided to divide it up into four lessons to go a little deeper in uh, because I only had about 50 minutes on that Sunday to share. So in episode one, we went back and talked about the historical context. We revisited Isaiah 61. That's where the term, the acceptable year of the Lord uh, is first mentioned. We went back to Leviticus chapter 25, and we also talked about God's attitude toward debt. That was in episode one. In episode two, we looked at Luke 4 again, where Jesus preached his first message in his hometown, the acceptable year of the Lord. We talked about how he was rejected, and then we closed that episode answering the question, is this pandemic Uh, that we're experiencing right now, God's judgment. Then in episode three, our last episode, we talked about two ways that God supernaturally cancels debt. So those are the three uh, episodes. Today, we're going to conclude this this series. And and God, you know, God threw threw me a little curveball. Sometimes he threw me a curveball. I prepared this lesson. I'm ready to go. And then he takes me in a whole different direction. So I'm going to talk today and conclude this series on the acceptable year of the Lord by talking about the ministerial context from which I brought that prophetic word, the ministerial context. We talked about the historical context. Today, we're going to conclude the series by talking about the ministerial context. In other words, we're going to talk about the office of the prophet. 
the office of the prophet. I wasn't totally sure why God wanted me to do this, but, but God always has a purpose. And we're just going to run and see what the end going to be. Let's talk about the office of the prophet. Now, Isaiah spoke from the office of the prophet in Isaiah 61. In Luke 4, uh, Jesus was speaking from the platform of the prophet. And when I spoke that Sunday and gave that prophetic word, I was speaking not from the office of a pastor and a teacher. I'm a pastor and I'm a teacher, but I was speaking from the office of the prophet. So I believe that God wants us to understand the ministerial context. So let's talk about the office of the prophet. I want to read uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 from the traditional King James Version, verses 11 and 12 and 13. It says, and he, referring to Jesus, after he ascended on high, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're talking today about the office of the prophet. So what is a prophet? So when I talk about the prophet, I'm also talking about the prophetess. So what is a prophet? A prophet is a ministry gift called by God and given to the church. So the prophet is a gift to the church at large, whereas the pastor is given to his local church, given to his congregation, but the prophet is a gift to the body, a gift. So what is a prophet? A prophet is a servant leader, servant leader called to equip and train the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. And we got that from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and verse 12. And then thirdly, a prophet or prophetess is one who has visions and revelations concerning people, events, and times in the mind of God. Let me get that to you again, that third definition a prophet or prophetess is one who has visions and revelations concerning people, events, and times in the mind of God. Let's talk about for a moment the different ranks and classes of prophets. I'm just trying to follow the Spirit of God to share you the historical context from which that prophetic word was given. All debts are canceled. There are different ranks and classes of prophets. Number one, there are the Old Testament prophets that we read about in the Bible. Elijah, Elisha, Moses. Secondly, there are 
foundational prophets. For example, the apostle Paul was not just an apostle. He was also a prophet. And the apostle Paul established new Testament doctrine. So this is a different rank of apostle. Foundational prophets establish New Testament doctrine. And then thirdly, there are prophets that we have in the church today. We know that there are prophets in the church today because when we read Ephesians 4, 12, the Bible says that these fivefold ministry gifts were set in the church. And then in verse 13, it tells us for how long till we all come in the unity of the faith where well, we're not there of the knowledge of the son of God. Well, we're not there yet unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And you and I both know that the church is not there yet. These ministry gifts will uh, operate in the church until Jesus return. Cause it's going to take that long for us to mature and that long for us to grow up. Now, prophets that are in the church today, listen very carefully, prophets that are in the church today are not foundational prophets. In other words, they do not add doctrine to the scriptures. They do not add to the scriptures. They do not operate outside of the scriptures. That's so very important. Prophets that operate in the church today do not add to the canon of scripture. They do not add doctrine and they do not operate outside of scripture. Now, there is, and, and, and we're going to discover why God wanted me to share this with you. And I believe you're going to understand why God wanted me to share this with you. There is a difference between, we're talking about the prophet, who he is the prophet. There's a difference between the simple gift of prophecy found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the office of the prophet. There is a difference between the simple gift of prophecy. The simple gift of prophecy is supernatural utterance in a known language. And this simple gift of prophecy is for all. It's for all. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 31, you may all prophesy. So every spirit Christian should covet, should desire, and may prophesy under the unction of the Holy Spirit. So the simple gift of prophecy, supernatural utterance in a known language, is for all, for all. The prophet's ministry is a calling, it's a ministry. One simple gift of prophecy is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The office of the prophet is a ministry. I put it, I put it like this. If I gave you 15 cents, a dime and a nickel, and then I gave you a quarter, 
25 cent. Well, the 15 cent would be in the quarter, but the quarter would have more than the 15 cents in it. So a, a profit has more, operates on a whole different level than those who prophesy in the church. One simple gift of prophecy is for all. The office of the prophet is for some. Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and 13 says that Jesus gave some apostles and some prophets and some pastors and some teachers and some evangelists. The Bible says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it asks the question, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. So we see that the office of the prophet is a calling. It, you're called into ministry. Now, there are three primary truths that I want to share today. Three primary truths about the prophet's ministry. And I, I want you to I want you to listen. I want you to really listen today because the that God has raised uh, prophets and prophetess in our day. And oftentimes these prophets and prophetess speak in the dark. In other words, in in those times when it's dark, they bring a word to the church. And so you need to be able to understand what this office is. You need to uh, appreciate this office and you need to be in a position to discern the true from the false or those who may be true, but not spirit led. Now, there are three primary truths that I want to share with you today, and I'll give you an overview and we're going to talk about them the rest of the way. Okay. The first truth about the office of the prophet is that the primary purpose of the prophet or prophetess is to preach and teach God's word. I want you to get that. The primary purpose of the prophet or the prophetess is to preach and or teach God's word. Some are, are preachers and some are teachers and then some are preacher teachers. But the primary purpose, that's the first point. And we're going to come back and fill in, fill in some gaps. The primary purpose of the prophet's ministry is to preach and teach God's word. Now, the second truth that we're going to develop today is that the prophet's ministry has revelation gifts that operate on a more consistent basis. The prophet's ministry has revelation gifts that operate on a more consistent basis. And then the third truth that we're going to talk about, and here again, we're going to come back and fill in some things. The third truth that we want to talk about is the prophet and his or her ministry must be received. It must be, it has to be received. Now, 
Let's go back and look at our first primary truth. This is so very important. I gave a word, all this are cancel, but God wanted you to understand the ministerial context, the platform from which I gave that word. Now listen at this. The primary purpose of the prophet is to preach and teach God's word. Spirit-led or true prophets don't go around giving revelations to everyone they meet anytime they want to. In other words, a spirit-led prophet or a true prophet operates as the spirit wills. So a lot of times when we think of the prophet, we think of somebody that's going to always give us a word. Every time they come on the scene, they got to give somebody the word that I got to give and they got to get everybody a word. Now here, listen to me carefully. God does give prophetic voices or give prophets and prophetess personal words and revelations to share with individuals. But remember the prophet's ministry primarily is to the body, is to the church. And the primary purpose is not to just give words. And I'm going to show you that he does give words, but that's not the primary purpose of the prophet's ministry. The primary purpose is to teach and preach God's word. Uh, a second thing we need to understand under this first major truth is that true prophets Spirit-led prophets don't prophesy money out of people's pockets. They don't use their spiritual gifts for personal gain. God spoke to me years ago and gave me a warning way back in the early 90s. He said that Balaam misused the gift. Now, listen to me. I am not saying that it's wrong for a minister to teach on giving or teach on prosperity. People, the, the saints can't grow if they don't hear. They, they, they don't learn to give if they're not taught to give. Not talking about that. There's nothing wrong with receiving an offering. There's nothing wrong with communicating to others what the ministry need or asking people to sow into your ministry. Nothing. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying that if you have to pay to get the prophecy, you got to give money to get the prophecy. Or you have to give to that person in order for the prophecy to be fulfilled in your life. I'm saying to you, you need to be guard yourself against that. You need to guard yourself. If you got to pay for the prophecy and you got to give to the prophet and to the prophet's ministry in order for the prophecy to manifest in your life, I'm saying that you need to guard yourself because it is not the, the, the purpose of the prophet is not to get something from you. The purpose of the prophet is to get something to you. Thirdly, under that first category, 
God did not put the prophet's ministry in the church to lead God and direct people's personal lives. God did not put the prophet in there to tell you who to marry, tell you which church to go to, uh, what suit to wear, what dress to wear, and all those things. God did not put the prophet's ministry in, he did not set the prophet's ministry in the church to direct to God and to lead people's lives. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit, we in this covenant are to be led by the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and you're to be led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. You're no longer dependent. You no longer have to go to someone outside of you to get a word. The Spirit of God on the inside of you, when the prophet of the prophet is, is given an utterance or given a revelation, there should be a witness on the inside of you. The Spirit of God will bear witness to the truth. And then Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. You should be led by the peace of God. Now, listen at this. Just because the prophet may miss it, or do something wrong or out of the way doesn't mean the prophet is a false prophet because God used humans. And sometimes the revelation may be perfect, but the vessel may be a little imperfect. In other words, that's why the scripture tells, uh, tells the believers to test the revelation, to prove the revelation to put a scriptural test to the revelation. That's 1 John 4, 1 through 2. And then the scripture says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is true. And that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. Now, false prophets, I'm still dealing with number one. False prophets can be recognized primarily in two ways, primarily in two ways. False prophets point people to themselves. They point people to themselves. True prophets, spirit-led prophets, point people to Jesus. They point people to the word. They want people to fall in love with the word. They want people to fall in love with, with, with Jesus. A false prophet always point people to themselves. And then secondly, false prophets operate outside of scripture. And that's why you need to study the scripture. That's why you need to be in a good church that's teaching you the Bible and you're learning and you're growing. So when the utterance go forth, you will have enough knowledge on the inside of you where you can put it to the scriptural test. So the first major thing that I wanted to share with you about the prophet's ministry is that the prophet, the primary purpose of the prophet is to preach and teach God's word. Now let's look at the second. Let's look at the second uh, major truth that I want to share with you today. 
The prophet's ministry has revelation gifts that operate on a more consistent basis, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The prophet's ministry has revelation gifts that operate on a more consistent basis. Now, notice I said revelation gifts, and we'll talk about them, that operate on a more consistent basis. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are three revelation gifts, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the discerning of spirits is a part of the prophet or prophetess spiritual equipment. Now, any Christian, any spirit-filled Christian can operate as the spirit will in the word of knowledge. Any spirit-filled Christian as the spirit wills, can operate in the word of wisdom, can operate in the discern of spirits. But what distinguishes the prophet or the prophetess is that the prophet's ministry has these gifts operating on a more consistent basis. So let's look at these revelation gifts because this is the prophet's equipment. The word of knowledge all this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is supernatural revelation of things past or present. Supernatural revelation of things past or present. John chapter 4, Jesus met a woman for the first time, and the Spirit of God revealed to him that this woman had had five husbands and the husband that she was living with was not her husband. Jesus did not know that because he was the son of God. He did not know that because he was divine. He knew that by revelation. The Holy Spirit manifested through him the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge operates from time to time in my life as well. Uh, years ago, we had a, a leader in our church. I don't think I was praying about the leader. I, I, I didn't know any particulars about the leader, but the Spirit of God spoke to me about this particular leader's struggle. I knew exactly what the leader was dealing with. And I went to the leader and I, I, I talked to the leader asking questions about that area and the leader admitted that that was his struggle. I was able through the word of knowledge, to know what he was dealing with. And then I was in a position to counsel and walk him through. That was done in private. It wasn't done in public. The prophet's ministry is not set in the church to rebuke, humiliate, or criticize people. The word of wisdom is supernatural revelation of things future. When God reveals something supernaturally, you have no way of knowing, he reveals something supernaturally about the future, something that hasn't happened, that is a word of wisdom. Uh, Noah received a word of wisdom about a coming flood. I've also had this uh, manifest in my life as well. Years ago, years ago, 
Uh, I was asleep. And in my sleep, I saw a young girl who was a member of our church. I don't remember whether she was uh, in her late teens or in college, but I remember her. I saw her in my sleep. I saw her go to the restroom. I saw her fall over a commode and I saw her throwing up in the commode. I knew exactly who she was. I saw her throwing up in the, now remember, I'm asleep. I saw her throwing up in the commode, and I knew, I knew she was pregnant. Well, I called that girl in, and I was talking to her, and I asked her whether or not she was, was sexually active. I just wanted to know, are you sexually active? And the moment I asked the question, she, tears began to roll down her eyes, and I, 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 and she acknowledged that she was sexually active. I shared with her what I had seen that night. Now, remember, I wasn't with her, didn't know anything about her. And she acknowledged she was sexually active. I showed her that if she continued on that track, that she was going to get pregnant. I knew that by revelation. Now, she received it. Fourth, I know she never was pregnant. She ended up getting married and all those good things. Sometimes God gives us a supernatural revelation about things that are in the future. And this, this revelation was conditional on her making an adjustment in her life. It was not to embarrass her. Nobody knew about it. I never gave her name to anybody. Never talked to her again about it. Nothing like that. It was something done in private. I saw her in the restroom. I saw her on her face in the commode throwing up. I knew by revelation that she was pregnant. God was showing me down the road that if she continued along that track, she was going to be pregnant. Someone very close to me recently in our ministry, been with us a long time, very close to me, retired from, from uh, employment. Well, in my sleep, while I was asleep, I saw the person. Now, this is before they announced the retirement. I saw the person. I was asleep. I saw the person stand up and say to us all, I am retiring. I went to my journal, woke up, went to my journal, wrote it in my journal, never said anything to the person. But I knew at some point that that person was going to retire. Well, after that, the person said and told me that I'm retiring. The moment they told me they were retiring, I let them know I already knew that they were. I knew that they were because God had shown it to me supernaturally. I saw the person. I was asleep. I saw the person and the person announced that they were retiring. I don't I don't know fully why God revealed that to me. I think it had to do with me giving confirmation to that person. It was the right thing for them to do. That is a word of knowledge. Discerning of spirits is the third revelation gift. It is supernatural ability to see into the spirit world. Prophets see and know things supernaturally. In the scriptures, some prophets were called seers, S-E-E-R, a seer. A seer is one who sees and hears in the realm of the spirit, one who 
sees and hears in the realm of the spirit. All visions, all of them, are manifestations of discerning of spirits. All visions. There are three primary. I know I'm giving you a lot of information, but the Spirit of God wanted me to share, and I don't fully understand why I'm sharing, but the Spirit of God wanted me to share this with you. The three primary forms of visions. There's open visions where your eyes are wide open and you can both see into the spirit world what's going on. It may be angels, maybe demons, it may be whatever. But at the same time, you're also cognizant of the natural world. It's an open vision. The third major kind of, well, that vision, you can find it over in Acts chapter 7, verse 55. Acts 7, 55. Stephen had an open vision. He was preaching. The folk got angry at him. And the Bible says he lifted up his eyes and he looked into heaven. He saw the glory of God. And the Bible says he saw Jesus standing. Now, he saw the people. They were angry. But at the same time, he looked into heaven, saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. That's an open vision. The third kind of vision is a trance. Now, trance, Acts chapter 10, Peter went up on a rooftop waiting for them to prepare his meal. And the Bible says he fell into a trance, Acts 10, verse 9 through 11. A trance is where you lose all contact with the natural world. In other words, you're completely conscious of the spirit world, but you've lost all contact of the natural world. That's called a trance. And then the third kind of vision is a night vision. Say that night vision. A night vision is my definition is a God inspired short scene while you sleep. A, a God inspired short scene while you sleep. This is the primary way that God speaks to me. He speaks to me while I'm asleep. He shows me short scenes. I see short scenes. Job 33, verse 14 through 15. Is this scriptural? Is this scriptural for God to speak to us in the night seasons? Job 33 Verse 14 through 15. I want you to read in the New Living Translation. Job 33, verse 14 through 15 in the New Living Translation. Listen what it says. It says, for God speaks again and again through people, though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their bed. I'm going to say it again. For God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. You know, you know, it's amazing. The Bible says that in the latter days, God was going to speak through dreams and visions, dreams and visions. I believe that God is speaking to us all the time. And much of the time he's speaking through dreams and visions visions of the night. But God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. And many times God is speaking, but people don't recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their 
beds. This is how God primarily speaks to me. And when I say primarily, I mean in this prophetic office. Now, he speaks to me just like he speaks to every Christian through the inward witness, through the voice of the human spirit, through the voice of the Holy Spirit. But in this prophetic office, God speaks to me in my sleep. Well, I'm fast asleep. I'm fast asleep. And I either hear words, I hear words, or I see a scene and no words, just a short scene, a short scene and no words, a short scene. I'll see the person. I know exactly who they are. I see the situation. I know exactly. And it's just like that. It's just like that. It's not a long thing. It's a short scene with no words, or there's a scene and words. Sometimes I hear the voice, I hear words. Sometimes it's a scene and no words, and sometimes it's a scene and words, and I wake up. The moment I get it, I wake up and I run to my journal. I keep my journal. You need to keep a journal. You need to keep a journal. That's why I can tell you the dates and times that these things happen, because I keep a journal. There are three major categories that these night visions flow through me in. Number one, they're directives. Sometimes I get directives. Words, go cyber. Words, avoid shaking hands, although this one wasn't in my sleep. Avoid shaking hands, but it's a directive. Secondly, these night visions that I have are words of wisdom. Economic upheaval is coming. Provision is coming. Now, remember I said that just because the uh, prophet miss it or says it wrong doesn't mean it's false prophet. Now, God spoke to me in the early 2000s and told me economic upheaval is coming. I thought it was connected to the Great Recession. I think the Great Recession began in 2007 and ended in 2009. Remember that recession that we went through? I thought that it was then, but really I've come to realize that God was talking about now. Because when you think of an upheaval, economic upheaval, that's where we are. An upheaval is a violent, sudden change a disruption in something, and that's exactly where we are. But I want you to know something. God told me provision is coming. Just a few years later, after he said that, provision is coming. So sometimes it's a directive. Sometimes it's a, it's a word of wisdom. And then sometimes the revelations that God gives me is what I call a now revelation from God's eternal position, a now revelation, a now revelation. God lives in one eternal now. That's why the Bible says a thousand years is as one day with the Lord, because God doesn't live in time. He lives outside of time. He can see the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. So there are times when God will speak to us from his position. He says, by whose stripes you were healed. Yet, really, when you look at your body, you got sickness and you got pain and you got all that. Well, God is speaking from his eternal position.
And he needs you to agree with him. He needs you to believe it and say it and act like it's so. And he'll cause what he sees to manifest in your life. We were building uh, our 3,000 seat sanctuary and uh, God instructed us to build it debt free. And boy, I tell you, there were times we didn't see the money. There were times when that there was delays and all kinds of things were going on. And right in the middle of that, God said, up in no time. I heard him, up in no time. And I told the church, God said, up in no time. And we start saying what God said. And guess what? It manifested. We end up building that 3,000-seat dome sanctuary debt-free, debt $16 million. God was speaking from his eternal position. When God said all debts are canceled, he wasn't speaking from your position. You may have piled up debts. You may have all kinds of problems. You may have job loss. You may have no money in the bank. You may be behind on everything. You may have millions of dollars in school loans. I know I'm exaggerating, but God is not speaking from your position. He's speaking from his position. And he is saying all debts are canceled. Remember, he sees the past, present, and the future. And he's saying from my position, all debts are canceled. So what he needs you to do is agree with him, even though it's not manifesting in your life. Agree with him, say yes to it, uh, believe it, talk it, and then God will cause what he sees in his eternal position to be manifested in your uh, now position, in your situation. That's how it works. Now, listen, I, I, I want to, I want to, I'm, I'm close, close, close to closing this. God called me into the office of the prophet June the 16th, 1990. He said that you've adorned with the robe of a prophet. He reiterated again in February the 23rd, 95. May the 7th, 2001, he said, you ordain a prophet to the nations. See, I keep a journal. You need to keep a journal. God has called me into this office. Now, listen to this. I know I'm a pastor and I'm a teacher, but I also stand in this office of a prophet. So we've looked at two things, two major things. The primary purpose of the prophet is to preach and teach God's word. Here's the second thing. The prophet's ministry has revelation gifts that operate on a more consistent basis. Now, here's the third thing. In closing, you got to listen carefully. The prophet and his or her ministry has to be received. It has to be received in order for it to manifest what God is saying, it has to be received. Second Chronicles 20, 20, listen what it says. It says, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Matthew 10, 41 says, he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. In Luke 4 and in Mark 6, verse 4 through 6, Jesus said that a prophet 
is honored everywhere except in its own town. They did not receive the prophet's ministry. So the Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says he could, he could there do no mighty works because they didn't receive it. Now, now I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to this. And I think this may be why I'm teaching it. His, there is a, there is a deep rooted principle that great men are not appreciated in their neighborhood. Great men are not appreciated in their neighborhood. Now listen to me carefully. Jesus' family loved him. It is possible to love somebody and not receive them. They loved Jesus. Mary loved Jesus. His brothers loved him, but they did not receive him as a prophet. In Mark chapter 3, verse around verse 21, the Bible says that they thought he was crazy and they were going to do an intervention on him. The Bible says in John 7, 3 through 5, that neither did his brothers believe in him. Now listen, it's possible to love somebody and yet not receive them. In other words, it's possible to love a person and not fully appreciate their true identity and worth to you. They the, 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 they received him as a relative, but they didn't receive him as a prophet. Now, now listen to me carefully. His community, Nazareth, they received him as a homeboy. In fact, they were proud of him. That's why they showed up to hear it, because they had heard about all the things that he had done. And then when he began to teach, they said, look at these gracious words. I mean, they, had, they said, wow, he's a great teacher. So they received him. But when he started talking that prophet thing, they did not receive him. Now, God, God said something to me years ago, years ago. And I know I went over this time, but years ago, he said, teach them to respect you. Teach them. And I taught a series in my church on the pastor who is he. And I also taught another series where there's no honor and listen, God was not saying teach them to love you because my church has always loved me, always supported me, always given to me. He wasn't talking about love. He wasn't talking about give. He said, teach them to respect you. In other words, teach them to respect the office that you're in. Teach them that office. Well, he reminded me that people need to be taught what the, to respect the prophet's office. Because if you only see a pastor talking to you, then what may happen is you may think, well, that's just a good sermon. That was a great sermon. I guess I'll just, uh, you know, I'll I put it in my archive and I'll listen to it later because that was just a great. My pastor preached a good sermon. Oh, wasn't that a good sermon? It's possible to, 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 re to receive it as a teaching and as a sermon 
and not receive it as a prophetic utterance from God. And, and so God wanted you to understand that wasn't me. I wasn't telling you I'm going to cancel your debts. I wasn't saying that. That wasn't me. That was God saying. All I was doing was saying what he was saying. And if you don't understand the office and see me only as a pastor, only as a teaching a good sermon, then it's not going to produce everything that it should produce in your life. You have to receive the office. And if you receive the office, then that word will manifest in your life. Amen. 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 Now, I got, I got, ooh, got a number of questions here. I want to answer, try to answer some of these questions. Had the Holy Spirit said when the churches were open again? <laughs> That's a good question. Okay. Listen, let me tell you something. I, I don't know whether you heard my last uh, podcast on episode three. I took out some time and talked about this. We're going to open in the future. I know we're going to open in the future, but I don't know when we're going to open right now. I know we're not going to open right away. We're not going to be led by government. We're not going to be led by mayor. We respect our mayor. We're not going to be led by president. We respect them. We respect everything. We know people need to work. Don't have a problem with that. I have an unction and a witness, and it's a discomfort that we are premature. Now, I hope that I'm wrong. I don't want to be right on this one, but I have a strong witness that we are making a mistake opening up right now. I know we got to eventually, but I have a strong witness. And here again, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm sensing that we're opening up too quick. We're going back to what is normal too quick. And I think I, th I just feel uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. So in answering your question, I don't know for sure when we're going to open up. I'm praying for God to show me, but I know now is not the time. Later sometime, I don't know. Someone sometime, I don't know. I don't know. I am more concerned about you and about my flock being healthy and safe than I am concerned about having church. And I'm more concerned about God giving me directions and not somebody else deciding, the government or whoever deciding. So that's where I am on that. Can a person have the gift but misuse it by prophesying a future event of something in front of people that was embarrassing to the recipient? Yes. I think the gift the, 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 the prophetic gift, whether it's a prophet, prophetess or just, the, just a believer operating in the word of wisdom, I think it's always wrong to embarrass people. I think that is a misuse of the gift. I, a prophet should never stand up and say, you in adultery and y'all going with each other and all that kind of crazy stuff. I think it is a misuse of a gift. Basing this off when the spirit spoke and said to avoid shaking hands, I work as a cashier in a grocery store, and I thought that although I don't shake hands, would this be the same as me touching items that spit that spit on the counter? 
that fit on the counter. Well, you know, I, 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 I that sit on the counter. I think, I don't know. I, I think if I was a cashier, I would wear gloves. I, I think if it's all that possible, I would wear gloves. I really do. I think the cashier, you're working with the public. Uh, there's some vulnerabilities there, working with the public. Plead the blood of Jesus. Claim Psalms 91 every day you go to work. Don't go to work without pleading the blood of Jesus over you and over everything that you touch. Confess everything I touch has the blood of Jesus on it. Put you on some gloves if you can, and I think that will be the best one. As a prophet, will there be times when the Spirit wants a word to be released at a certain time and not immediately when the Spirit reveals the word? That's a great question. Yes. I have a journal that goes all the way back to the early 80s. Some of it has come to pass. Some of it has not come to pass. There are some things I just don't say because early when I didn't understand what God was doing in my life, I was a blabbermouth. If you're a blabbermouth, the, the God will, will stop revealing stuff to you. You have to pray about it. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I pray, God, do you really want me to talk about this thing? Do you want me to share? You sure you want me to share? Because I've learned that there are certain things that you shouldn't say. There are certain things I don't even say to my wife. There are certain things that I reveal. There are certain things in my journal I wouldn't dare share with anybody that God has spoken to me about. So, yes. There are times to release it. When you get something, write it down, put it in your journal, but pray about it. Is this time to release it or not? That's a great question. How can you determine if a dream is from God or the enemy, especially when the dream was a disturbing dream? Here's, here's, here's the way I look at it. Most of the time when I get a revelation at night, it, it doesn't frighten me. I'm not frightened by it. It may be weighty. It may be heavy. Sometimes God will show you things that you can pray away. You can pray and, and it can be avoided. And then sometimes God shows you things so that you'll be prepared. It's going to happen. You can't change it. And, and, and I can't tell you when the difference is. But I pray about things. And this, this is the way I pray. I said, now, now if, if this can be avoided, I, I want to take authority over this. I want to break the power over this. And usually, God is not going to talk to you about something outside the scriptures. If it's outside the scriptures, you know what I mean? If it's outside the scripture, that, that's not God. It just terrifies you. I mean, you're just terrified by it. Then I would, I wouldn't, I would suspect that that's not God because, see, God is a father. Why would he reveal something to you that's going to terrify you and you, you, you can't function? God wouldn't reveal something to you that's going to terrify you like that. So every dream is not from God. That's why you have to study the Bible. You have to get the word in you, get an inner witness on the inside of you, peace on the inside of you. And then to be honest with you, I put things in my journal. 
I put it there. I don't try to make nothing happen. I put it there. I don't worry about it. I don't try to make it happen and all that. I put it there. And if it keeps coming back up to me, I'll pray about it. And I'll, I'll pray about it. And I pray about it in tongues. I don't go to people asking them, what does this mean? What does, I don't do that because people will interpret your dream for you and it may be way off. Is it possible you could be gifted as a prophet and not be mature or learned enough for it to manifest complete? Yes, absolutely. I'm a living witness of it. Okay. I, I remember I was called into the prophet's ministry June 16th, 1990. And I'll be honest with you. I'm still learning things about it. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was, I'll just be transparent, which I was even a little uncomfortable sharing out of my myself, you know, and I think a part of why God wanted me to share it is because he want me to fully embrace it. You know, so yes, you can be immature. You can be unlearned. I think God wanted me to share some of this uh, with you. This is a good message. Is there a book to this series? I don't have a book. And, uh, you know, I was, I was, you know, I studied the prophet's ministry. You can Google things, you can look up things, but then again, you may get different kinds of things. I was trying to share from my knowledge today, from my studies, from my personal experience, that maybe you'll get something out of it. Uh, I heard God speak to me once, but ever since that moment, I haven't heard him say anything else. He told me, keep doing what you're doing. Like you said, he gave me a few words. How do I make sure I'm doing what he wants? Here's the key. If God says something to you and you know what he said and you're doing what he said, but he doesn't say anything else to you, then keep doing what he said. Don't worry about it. God is a father. He's, he's a good daddy. He'll talk to you when you need to know. Just spend time in prayer. And if you're a spirit for your Christian, you have to spend time praying in the spirit. I spend time praying in the spirit. I pray with my understanding, but I pray with the spirit. And really to develop an ear to hear God, you have to spend a little more time praying in the spirit. A little more time. And I ain't got no time frame. I'm not saying an hour. I'm not. I think you need to be consistent. If it's 15 minutes, get away, spend time with God. If it's 20 minutes, get away, spend time with God and, and, and walk out what you know. And, and I'm, I feel you. Sometimes I hear and I want some more. I've learned if he doesn't say anything else, I keep doing what he told me to do. Just keep stay right on track with what he told you to do. And you're faithful if you're doing what he told you to do. Don't try to make him talk to you. Don't try to make him talk to you. When God gives a prophet word, a word, should it be in agreement with other prophets or is it just an exclusive word to that prophet? Well, I think any word from God, a, a true prophet, let, uh, will it be in agreement with other prophets or just an exclusive word? Well, let me see, can I answer that? First, first, it's going to always be in line with Scripture, okay? It's going to always be in line with Scripture. God doesn't give prophets something that adds to Scripture or takes away Scripture. 
So as a, another prophet, when I hear it, I can have a witness. I, if it's the truth, I'll have a witness. Somebody else should have a witness. But at the same time, remember, God can speak to the other prophets. God spoke to you. So yes and no. Yes, it will bear witness. Some other prophets will bear witness, and you should want somebody to bear witness with it. But at the same time, other prophets may not get the specific word that you got. Now, here's what I've discovered, that a lot of times when I'll say things, I'll hear other people say something along the same line, because I think a lot of times God will give you something that he's saying to other people, too. So, yes, is others will agree, but no, to the specifics of it, God may give you, because that's what you're supposed to bring to the table. Um, does the prophet always give good news to go with warnings? Here's, here's, the, here's my thought on it. A warning is good news. See, a warning simply says, don't keep flowing in this direction. When I, when I talked to that girl, that young girl, I, she may have been in college, may have been out of high school, may have been in, I forgot the, the specific, but when I was talking to her, that was a warning. That was a word of wisdom, but it was conditional. Whenever God gives us warnings, it's always good news. It's always good news because he's trying to keep us from getting over into something we shouldn't get into. I've had the Lord tell me, give me warnings. All through my journey, I've got warnings. I think that's it. Well, we spent some time today. 